0: Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to
1: Carolina Newsmakers. I've been looking forward to this session for some time because we have with us one of uh, North Carolina's true leaders, uh, the uh, President Pro Tem of the North Carolina State Senate, Bill Berger, uh, is a way of introducing, pointing out that he was first elected to the North Carolina State Senate in the year 2000, so he is a 22-year veteran now, and of course has been uh, President uh, Pro Tempo for the last uh, 12 years, having been elected in uh, 2010 as the first Republican to serve in that role in the the state's history. So uh, welcome to the program, uh, Senator. Delighted to have you with us. Lots of things to talk about.
2: Uh, Don, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to uh, having this conversation. Well, let's
1: just sort of open up by talking about, uh, because it won't be long before you'll be uh, back in session. And of course, your work never ends. Uh, there's all sort of activities going on at the General Assembly um, all year long, but uh, what are uh, the key uh, priorities for the next legislative session, the things that you will be uh, uh, looking forward to uh, addressing?
2: Uh, so I've I've been talking a lot about continuity, uh, and uh, by by that uh, I, I think it uh, helps inform uh, some of the things that will be uh, key things in in the legislature. So by continuity, uh, I, I I think we uh, should focus on doing those things in the future that uh, over the past several years have inured uh, to the benefit of the state as a whole. And so uh, I'm. Uh, Concerned about, uh, you know, what's our budget going to look like? Uh, we need to make sure that uh, we adopt a budget that, you know, meets the uh, the, the real needs uh, in the state, but uh, also uh, takes into account uh, the real concern that we should have about growing it uh, too much, uh, too fast, and that sort of thing. Uh, tax policy: uh, we uh, are constantly looking for ways to reduce the uh, the burden. Uh, on the people of North Carolina, so one of the priorities that I have is to continue to move our tax rates uh, uh, down. We've, uh, we've made great progress over the past 12 years in doing that. Uh, we were at, um, uh, at the beginning uh, of uh, Republican uh, leadership in the General Assembly, uh, the highest uh, uh, tax state uh, in terms of uh, individual income tax rates, uh, corporate income tax rates, uh, in the southeast. Uh, we are now, uh, for states that actually have an income tax, uh, the lowest in uh, in both of those categories, uh, in, in individual income and corporate income. Uh, we also uh, need to uh, continue our efforts to improve the uh, regulatory climate in North Carolina because Uh, That's uh, one of the things that faster than almost anything else can kill off uh, job uh, growth and job development. Uh, Clearly uh, we need to uh, continue to make progress uh, in terms of uh, education, whether we're talking about our university system, our community colleges, uh, or our K-12 system. Uh, It's uh, important that uh, all three of those are responsive to the needs of the people of North Carolina. and. Uh, in connection with our k-12 system that we are doing what needs to be done to prepare uh the next generation for uh the responsibilities uh, and the opportunities that they're going going to have um and several things that are left over from uh from previous sessions that i know will uh will will come up in our uh priorities in some respect uh and uh, that's uh uh, healthcare, uh, but uh, Medicaid expansion, certificate of need, uh, uh, and questions about uh, scope of practice and things that uh, that folks uh, can do in uh, in connection with uh, medicine. Uh, there's uh, uh, continuing discussion about uh, some of the gaming issues that uh, that were talked about before, and whether or not uh, those uh, those need to uh, to be dealt with uh, more comprehensively. Uh, or uh, should uh, continue to limit ourselves to talking about sports betting uh, and uh, and nothing else. Uh, uh, Don, I'm sure you've got a list there. There uh, likely are other things, but those are the things that just kind of pop into my head when you ask uh, about uh, the upcoming session.
1: Well, I guess uh, let's uh, maybe explore Medicaid expansion because that's been a topic now for some time. And uh, I think uh, as... More and more information has come out, uh, probably uh, uh, from what I'm reading and hearing from you, uh, your opinion and your uh, aspect may be a little different than it was, say, four years ago.
2: Uh, no question. Um, I, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, to the extent that we've got time, I can give you the long form as far as uh, uh, where I am now and how I got here. I, um, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, Um, and uh, one of the uh, provisions of that was the opportunity the states had to expand um, uh, availability of Medicaid to a larger segment of the population. Uh, I was opposed to uh, North Carolina signing up for that. Uh, Reasons uh, uh, were uh, primarily uh, because of uh, the uh, concern about impact to the state budget, Uh, traditional Medicaid, uh, the state pays uh, about one-third of the total cost. Federal government pays two-thirds. Uh, expanded Medicaid uh, for that population, uh, the uh, the original offer was the state would pay 10 percent and the federal government would pay 90 percent. Uh, concerns about whether or not federal government might change that uh, mix over time, uh, if we expanded and that happened, it would be devastating to uh, to the state budget and to uh, the uh, obligation that state taxpayers have as far as uh, what uh, what would be called upon them uh, to do. Um, also, uh, concerns about uh, whether or not we were creating some perverse incentives for folks in the population. People uh, uh, have an, would have an incentive not to go to work because a lot of the folks uh, that were uh, expected to be covered uh, were people who were uh, un- employable but unemployed. And uh, so that was, uh, that was a concern. Also had a concern about um, creating a situation where we added half a million people or more uh, to a broken Medicaid system. Our Medicaid system was, uh, uh, was one that was uh, well out of whack in terms of uh, whether or not uh, we were uh, doing a good job uh, of predictability as to what the costs were going to be. Uh, all of those kind of rolled in together Uh, led me to the conclusion that uh, expanding Medicaid was not the right thing for for the state. Uh, Over the past uh, several years, uh, a number of things have changed, uh, and uh, my position has changed as a result of that. Uh, So first of all, uh, a concern about whether or not the federal government will pull the rug out from under uh, us uh, from a uh, uh, cost standpoint. Uh, We've we've had... uh, presidents of both parties, control of Congress with both parties, and nothing's been done to change that 90-10 mix. Uh, I think it's pretty well baked in at this point, and uh, I don't uh, see that as being uh, a a concern. So uh, as opposed to a concern that uh, we were gonna break the bank as far as the state budget is concerned, uh, it actually, uh, as long as we know that that 90-10 is there and uh, the confidence level is pretty high uh, that that's the case, uh, it, it's actually a net benefit to the state budget to, uh, to expand Medicaid. On the question of uh, the system, we've transitioned the Medicaid system from a fee-for-service system to a capitated system so that the risk of cost overruns are not a risk that the taxpayers um, would be uh, on the hook for, but the risk would be on private insurance companies that contract with the state to manage the Medicaid uh, population. And that transition has gone uh, better than most folks uh, would have uh, have thought and uh, very well uh, overall. Um, We also have a better idea of who Uh, would be covered uh, by Medicaid uh, in the expansion population. And rather than uh, the vast majority being uh, folks that are able-bodied and not working, the reality is uh, a great number of the folks that would be covered in the expansion population actually work uh, 30 hours or more per week, uh, and yet they fall into some sort of a uh, gap uh, in terms of uh, availability, they they don't have coverage through their employer. They uh, don't qualify for traditional Medicaid. Uh, they uh, make too much money uh, to uh, to to get uh, the kinds of uh, of subsidies that are available on the exchange, or they make too little money to uh, to get uh, the appropriate kind of uh, subsidy for insurance policies. So. Um, the people that are being denied by not expanding uh, coverage are people who actually are working. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the, the question of insurance coverage is one that doesn't fit within their budget because they're, they're worried about putting food on the table and uh, making sure they have a place to stay and clothing for themselves and their children. So um, all of that uh, mixed in uh, has led me to believe that uh, it makes sense for us to expand Medicaid uh, in North Carolina. Uh, with uh, a couple of of, uh, uh, requirements. Uh, One, if we're going to add half a million, 600,000, maybe even more people uh, to the uh, role of folks that have an insurance card that says they are uh, going to have their healthcare paid for, uh, then we need to do something to make sure that we have the facilities uh, and the personnel uh, to To, uh, to actually uh, see those people and treat those people, and so uh, we have in North Carolina an antiquated certificate of need law uh, that needs to be um, uh, updated, revised, uh, and we also uh, uh, prohibit nurses uh, from practicing to the extent of their training, uh, and uh, we need to find ways to uh, to put them into uh, the market uh, where uh they can begin treating people so um the senate actually passed a package that uh, deals with those things uh, it's a comprehensive bill uh we got 44 votes in favor of it only two votes opposed to it uh i am hopeful that uh in the upcoming session we'll find a way to get uh all of those measures across the finish line
1: well for one i would like to applaud you because it takes uh, uh, a uh, strong person to uh change positions on issues when new facts become available. And I admire anyone who is open-minded enough to keep uh, updating and, and thinking about uh, what's best for the, c- the citizens of North Carolina. And I think you've explained very carefully uh, and very well what your objections were. And now uh, the, the fact that there are solutions to these, uh, these concerns that you had, and it looks like this is uh, well thought out. And again, uh, thank you for your uh, long and interesting explanation of both positions. I think it was great. We want to also talk a little bit about sports betting, but our time in this segment is coming to a rapid conclusion. Uh, in future sessions here on the program today, we're going to talk about uh, the in, the impact of inflation and the p- possibility of uh, a recession having some effect on state government. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit more in detail about uh the educational systems, the K-12, the community college, the UNC system, and get your views and opinions on where we're going. And we'll do all that when we uh, take time out for these messages. And we'll be right, right back with our very special guest, Senator Phil Berger, the President Tem of the North Carolina State Senate.
3: Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
2: Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. <coughs> when I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at the shelterpetproject.org Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund.
0: We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, our very special guest this week, the President Pro Tem of the North Carolina Senate, Phil Berger, the Honorable Phil Berger, who uh, represents North Carolina's 30th Senate District. That happens to be Caswell, Rockingham, Stokes, and Surrey County, that area. He has now been the President Pro Tem for 12 years, and before that, uh, he uh, began his service in the State Senate in uh Two thousands, so I you know I guess this is a kind of an interesting question. You twenty two years of service in the state senate. What would you say was the most surprising thing that you found out about
2: service in the senate? <laughs> and this may go back fifteen years. This may go back fifteen years. You know, Don. Um, one one of the things that uh, that I will tell people, and I usually tell new senators this, that uh, when when I was first elected. Um, first time I came to the legislative building, uh, walked uh, onto the Senate floor, looked around, uh, saw my name up on the vote board, and uh, it, you know was you know I, I was it was a very proud moment, and um, I'm I'm sitting there uh, looking around and I'm thinking you know geez how how did I get here you know
0: yeah.
2: um, and and so. Um, fast forward six months, and uh, I'm in the chamber, and I'm looking around, and uh, it's full. it got all the other members there, and uh, I'm thinking, how in the world did some of those folks get here? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's sort of a humorous way of saying that um, What what I found is that you got people from all walks of life, uh, people with um, varying degrees of, uh, of education, uh, varying talents. Uh, it, it, it in some respects is a microcosm of, uh, of the state as a whole. And um, the one thing that I think unifies uh, the members and, and, and I, I believe this to this day is that everyone that's here, uh, everyone that uh, that serves uh, is is there for uh, reasons uh, that begin with. I think uh, we can do something to make this a better place for the folks I represent. We represent, uh, but um, uh, s- uh, uh, some some surprise you in ways that um, uh, that encourage you. Some surprise you in ways that disappoint you, uh, but um, it's, um, it's not so much unlike uh, anything else that I've had experience with uh, in my law practice or while I was going through school or uh, any of the other things that I've done.
1: Well, one of the interesting things about living in North Carolina, at least uh, from the way I view it, and I've lived my entire life here is that North Carolina usually takes a little longer to solve a problem, but we usually solve the problems. And sometimes we go down the wrong course, but we will turn around and do a U-turn and come back and do what's right. And generally speaking, we get it right. And uh, sometimes, as I said, we go down the wrong path initially, but we turn around and and, uh, everyone seems to think that we end up doing a pretty good job. Well, anyway, thank you for that. I did want to talk to you a little bit about what you view as the possible effects of, of uh, two words that are we're hearing bouncing around the uh, newspapers, the radio stations, the television stations these days. The word is inflation. The other word is recession. Uh, both could have an impact on state government. It will have some impact. What do you think? Uh, how, how will we address those two uh, potential concerns?
2: Yeah, so I, I, I do think uh, inflation is not just a potential concern; it's uh, it, it's it's here, front and center. Uh, we're uh, we're living it uh, every day. So I'll give you one uh, one uh, example. We uh, we set aside a significant amount of money uh, for various construction projects around the state. Uh, some having to do with. Uh, you know, the, our universities, some having to do with state government, some having to do with uh, money for water and sewer improvements uh, uh, around the state. Uh, what we have seen is that the projections of what it would cost to do those various things uh, have, uh, have changed as far as the total, uh, total amount that we're going to need. So in last year's budget, uh, we had to create uh, an inflation reserve. Uh, to uh, in the construction items so that we would have money set aside to cover those all those cost overruns uh, that uh, were taking place because of inflation. Uh, Beyond that, uh, there are uh, pressures uh, both in the uh, in the governmental sector, but also in the private sector uh, in terms of salaries for people, because uh, uh, the uh, the cost of uh, groceries, the cost of housing, the cost of uh, uh, transportation, all of those things are going up, and uh, uh, and and so people's incomes uh, are not keeping up uh, in many respects. So, so it's a very real problem, both in the public sector and in the private sector, as far as inflation. Uh, recession is uh, is a little more interesting. Uh, well, I don't know if interesting is the right word. Is a little different because uh, I think under traditional uh, definitions of uh, recession. Uh, we're in one, but it's the oddest uh, recession uh, that I can recall because you've got employers who can't find people for the job openings that they have. And, uh, it, you know, my experiences in the past, uh, at least my memory of them, is that uh, when you have a recession, you have uh, an increase in unemployment and people can't find work. Uh, so uh, so it's, uh, uh, it's a little different uh, in that respect. Uh, I would say that as far as the state of North Carolina is concerned, one big difference today uh, from recessions or inflationary periods in the past is the state of North Carolina is much better prepared to deal with uh, any of the negatives that can come about. Uh, So, for example, in the 2008-2009 recession, uh, the uh, the response (coughs) that State government had to that recession uh, was uh, a combination of curtailing services and increasing taxes, which uh, both of which were uh, bad moves as far as the people of the state are concerned. Uh, At this time, uh, and and that was done, uh, I I think, because one, because the leadership then made the the wrong decision, but uh, two, they were not prepared. Uh, this time, uh, we have a rainy day fund uh, that, that exceeds four billion dollars. We have other reserves. I also talked about the uh, construction reserve that we had uh, put in place. Uh, and so we are prepared uh, for a downturn uh, it, when that downturn comes. And we're also prepared uh, to, uh, to deal with some of the other uh, inflationary costs that uh, that are in place at the present time. So uh, that's a long way of saying that uh, the state of North Carolina is in the best fiscal shape uh, that it's been uh, in, in the run up to and in a, in a recession
1: uh, at, at any time in, in its history. North Carolina, as we pointed out in this program with numerous guests is interesting in the sense that we've got 20, 25 counties that are just growing and growing rapidly expanding, seeing new uh, industry come in, new job opportunities, and so forth. And then we have 75 counties or so that are either very flat or, in many cases, facing really hard times. That makes your job as uh, in the General Assembly really difficult because, uh, as they say, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So you have to look after both the growth areas and the areas of uh, problems.
2: Yeah, no question about that, and uh, it's n- there's no question that uh, there are pockets of North Carolina that are not doing as well as we would like, uh, uh, and uh, there are uh, policies that uh, we are uh, trying to implement that uh, hopefully will uh, ameliorate uh, those, uh, those issues to the extent that state government uh, has the uh, power to uh, ameliorate problems. We... Uh, uh, we sometimes um, uh, miss, in my opinion, uh, what is, uh, again, in my opinion, absolutely true that government can do more to harm uh, folks as far as an economy is concerned uh, than uh, necessarily uh, improve uh, with uh, with governmental action. Uh, I, I think the private sector uh, and our capitalist system uh, has proven to be uh, the uh, greatest uh, tool machine uh, set up for uh, creating prosperity and uh, uh, providing people with opportunity uh, that uh, mankind is, has ever seen. And sometimes government just gets in the way.
1: Well, that's that old line I hear. I'm from the government, I'm here to help.
2: <laughs> Watch out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, One of the things that we have done, uh, I think, and made some significant uh, efforts to improve is the area of carrying broadband into all of North Carolina because broadband can flatten out the uh, problems and actually offer opportunity in some of these counties that otherwise would not be
2: there. Yeah, one one of the, um, um, I guess, um, benefits that we saw from COVID uh, was... uh, the uh, the the increase in remote uh, work, uh, the uh, ability of uh, technology or the use of technology to um, help in, uh, in 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 ways that we really had not anticipated fully, and uh, pretty much uh, supercharged our uh, our efforts in that regard in uh, In the state of North Carolina, one of the ways that we've tried to, uh, increase the availability of broadband has been through something called Great Grants. Uh, and that uh, that is a program that we set up where we use some of the money that came from the federal government, the COVID money, uh, use some state resources to partner with the private sector uh, in uh, uh, making uh, it more economically uh, feasible uh, to uh, get broadband in areas uh, where the private sector could not see a way uh, for to do that profitably. Uh, and so by doing that, by utilizing those great grants, uh, we are uh, slowly uh, but surely uh, expanding the footprint of uh, broadband uh, availability across the state, all to the benefit of uh, businesses, uh, students, uh, uh, the medical community and the treatment of uh, folks uh, from a healthcare standpoint.
1: Yeah I think uh, the one of the most interesting things is in some of these counties that are, have a great distance between uh, the point of residence and a hospital is uh telecare telephone uh, I mean uh, telemedicine it's, yes. it's just interesting yeah. what all you can do with that
2: Yeah I've I've equated uh, uh, what's what's happening now with broadband with you know some of the efforts back in the 1930s uh of uh, electrifying uh, rural areas of North Carolina and uh, some of the lessons that were learned uh, in uh, in in those efforts, uh, I think, uh, are are really being uh, utilized in uh, in expanding broadband access.
1: And of course, uh, it goes without saying, it's really helping in the area of education, especially K through twelve, where some of these school systems are very 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 small and just can't uh, can't provide the service that the uh, K through twelve programs can in the more populous state uh, counties. Yep. Well, anyway, our guest is uh, Senator Phil Berger. He's the president pro tem of the North Carolina State Senate. And uh, we will be back when we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about education, Uh, K through 12, the community college system, the UNC system, and get his views and opinions on what uh, we need to do to keep those systems working and improving. And we'll do that when we return right after these messages.
0: Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to
1: Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, the President Pro Tem of the North Carolina Senate, Bill Berger, uh, who represents the 30th Senate District and has been in the Senate now for 22 years and 12 years as its leader. Uh, Before we get to talking about the education system, uh, on a personal level, who are your heroes? Who, Who are the people that you admire most? And they perhaps made uh, uh, had an influence on your life.
2: So I've I've always been a history buff uh, and uh, a political uh, buff. So um, a, a lot of the folks that uh, that I uh, read about uh, and uh, and admire uh, are historical figures, uh, and and so uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, Calvin Coolidge, as a president, uh, I I thought uh, and think uh, was from a philosophical standpoint uh, in in a very good place and uh, was, uh, you know, he's known as silent, uh, silent Cal. Uh, He uh, was a person of few words, uh, but uh, but he uh, set a course and uh, and adhered to the course. uh, 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 Unless, of course, circumstances uh, or, or facts uh, would cause him to, to change his mind. Also have uh, uh, you know I, I think anyone uh, in uh, in this country has got to be an admirer of uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, but uh, one of the historical figures that uh, at least in the south uh, was was not necessarily well thought of uh, that uh, I, I, the more I've read the more, uh, highly, I think of him as uh, U.S. Grant, and uh, his uh, uh, his contributions to uh, the continuity of this nation uh, go well beyond uh, his uh, his service uh, in the uh, in the Civil War, uh, and uh, particularly uh, the the election that occurred uh, uh, for his successor. Uh, in uh, 1876, you know, that uh, we think we've had uh, a few years of uh, high controversy uh, about uh, the presidential office, uh, but uh, there was uh, a real question uh, as to whether or not uh, uh, our system was going to be able to select uh, a president, uh, and, uh, and Grant uh, played a key role in uh, uh, brokering a uh, uh, an arrangement that Uh, that uh, didn't uh, uh, that kept us from uh, falling into uh, uh, either another uh, civil war or uh, some uh, period of uh, uh, of uh, real difficulty
1: you mentioned uh, silent cal Coolidge. one of my favorite stories about him was apparently at a party one time a lady came up to him and said mr president i've been challenged Someone said, I couldn't make you say more than two words. And his response was, you lose.
2: Right. I've heard that story.
1: (laughs) uh, It's a great story. Well, let's talk about the education system in North Carolina and what you think uh, our future is and what we need maybe to do to improve it. We are recognized across the country for having a great uh, community community college system. Also, the UNC system is very highly ranked, K through 12 of course, affects almost everyone. So sort of take those three different areas and give us your views and opinions on uh, where they stand, and what we perhaps need to do to improve them and make them even better.
2: Sure. Uh, so I'll start with the university system. Uh, we have in North Carolina uh, the finest uh, system uh, of higher education in the nation. Uh, a lot of that uh owes uh, we owe to the foresight uh, that uh, that folks had uh, years ago where uh, they placed in our constitution uh, a uh, a mandate that uh, the citizens of North carolina uh, be provided with the opportunity uh, of uh, of a college uh, education as free as practicable um, and i don't know that there's a, a provision like that in any other state constitution. And people of North Carolina have uh, for a long time been uh, willing uh, with their tax dollars uh, to support uh, higher education. And uh, the system that we have, uh, the various campuses uh, provide the opportunity uh, for uh, citizens all across this, uh, this state to, uh, to, to get uh, a college education. And um, we uh, you know, no, nothing is perfect uh, in uh, in this world, uh, but uh, our our system is uh, is is as good as any out there, and I would say better. Um, the the research that's done at uh, at many of our campuses, uh, the um, uh, education that uh, our citizens uh, have the opportunity to uh, to to receive uh, is uh, second to none. Our community college uh, uh, system. Uh, Uh, places for improvement uh, in our universities, Uh, obviously, uh, tuition continues to be a uh, a real challenge for folks. Uh, We've taken steps to uh, try to curtail uh, increases uh, in tuition. I don't believe there have been uh, real increases uh, in uh, tuition at our university campuses for a while. Uh, We also have uh, now four campuses. Uh, where in-state students uh, can uh, go uh, with uh, a tuition of $500 uh, per semester, which is uh, uh, less than, uh, I would say, anywhere else in the country. Uh, those uh, campuses are Elizabeth City State, uh, UNC Pembroke, Fayetteville State, and Western Carolina. So they're uh, spaced around the state uh, uh, so that the opportunity exists uh, for uh, citizens all over uh, North Carolina. uh uh, you've mentioned that our community colleges we uh, have uh, more than 50 campuses uh, uh, of uh, our community college system uh, they provide uh, local uh, opportunities for folks uh, in terms of job training uh, and uh, but also uh, provide opportunities for folks to get their first two years of a traditional college education uh, before transferring to a four-year institution um, uh, our k-12 system is one that, uh, that, that we've, we, we've had some struggles with, quite frankly, uh, as far as student outcomes, particularly in uh, what is, uh, in my view, uh, the most uh, important skill for uh, students to have, and that is the ability to read. Uh, we, uh, we continue to uh, have uh, way too many uh, kids who uh, are not reading at grade level Uh, By the time they finish the third grade and that impairs uh, their ability to uh, get the uh, most out of the educational opportunities that are uh, that are there. We've uh, taken uh, some, uh, I would say, substantial steps uh, to uh, try to change uh, and improve those outcomes. Uh, We have passed um, uh, uh, what uh, we have denominated the Excellent Public Schools Act. Uh, which includes a, uh, an initiative that uh, has been uh, denominated Read to Achieve that focuses on uh, outcomes uh, for kids uh, in the early grades uh, of uh, elementary school and has as its goal uh, improving the outcomes uh, in terms of the number of kids that can read at grade level uh, by the time they finish third grade. We, over the past couple of years, have Uh, approved uh, some significant uh, modifications to that program uh, where uh, we uh, have uh, adopted what's been uh, referred to in professional education circles as the science of reading uh, which is uh, a a reading uh, initiative that uh, in uh, it focuses on phonics uh, and focuses on individualized instruction for uh, for students so uh, while uh, I, I, I think everyone would acknowledge that we've got to do a better job in our K twelve system. Uh, I think uh, we have uh, seen uh, uh, the uh, the beginnings of uh, what will be great improvement. Beyond that, we have um, created uh, a uh, fairly strong uh, group of charter public schools, which uh, which are public schools, uh, but which are. Uh, educational opportunities where parents uh, are more involved in the decision uh, as to where their kids go to school uh, and uh, have have options uh, in terms of uh, the um, K-12 educational uh, opportunities that are out there. Uh, We've also created something that uh, uh, is called the Opportunity Scholarship Program, uh, for uh, as long as uh, parents uh, have been around, uh, <laughs> parents of means uh, have had the financial wherewithal uh, to uh, to select uh, a private school option for their children uh, when the traditional public schools uh, don't meet uh, their child's uh, needs, uh, or uh, they see that a child is not uh, 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 progressing. Uh, in uh, a traditional public school setting. Uh, The Opportunity Scholarship Program actually provides low income uh, individuals uh, with uh, the option of uh, selecting a scholarship that they can then apply towards the tuition at uh, at a private uh, school. Uh, The amount is uh, generally less (laughs) than most private schools charge, but it does give uh, those lower income individuals uh, the opportunity to uh, have more of a say in uh, in directing their child's education. Uh, so there's there's a you know education is about 60 percent uh, of the state budget uh, uh, divided up amongst uh, the uh, the various levels, whether it's higher education, um, community college, or K-12. And uh, it um, the fact that that it is that much of our state budget. Uh, just reflects the commitment that the people of the state of North Carolina have uh, to uh, providing educational opportunity for uh, everyone in the state.
1: Well, North Carolinians have always been known for their desire to see their children do better than they did. And uh, so they've always put a lot of emphasis on education. It seems to me the more I look at uh, public schools, the better public schools always are the schools where they have good principals and good teachers. So how are we going to continue to fill that, uh, that uh, funnel with great principals and great teachers?
2: Yeah, so uh, over the past several years, we have uh, modified the uh, principal pay uh, program to create more of an incentive structure uh, that uh, the principals that uh, have schools that uh, tend to um, improve outcomes for, for students over the course of, uh, of a year, uh, have the opportunity to earn additional money uh, in connection with. Uh, as far as teachers are concerned, uh, obviously we've uh, we've we've seen uh, increases in uh, the base pay uh, for teachers across the state. Uh, I think when uh, when you factor in uh, the uh, the base pay uh, plus uh, any local supplement plus a state provided supplement to uh, low income counties. Uh, the starting pay for teachers in North Carolina is in excess of $40,000 uh, at the very beginning, uh, and uh, it steps up uh, from there. Uh, we have, uh, in every year, increased the uh, budget for uh, K 12, the K 12 system, uh, and uh, within uh, the pay structure uh, in the K 12 system, uh, there are uh, certain uh, at certain grade levels, opportunities uh, for teachers to uh, earn additional money uh, depending on outcomes that, uh, that uh, their students uh, uh, have been able to achieve and uh, the growth that uh, uh, particularly in, in connection with reading uh, that takes place.
1: And of course, uh, on the college level, research, of course, you've got about 30 seconds uh, to answer this question, but research is so important.
2: Uh, no question. Uh, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the things that we've done uh, recently uh, is we've created uh, in our university system something called the North Carolina Policy Collaboratory, uh, which is uh, sort of a clearinghouse uh, for uh, applying the uh, knowledge power that we have in our university system to practical problems that exist Uh, within the state. And so uh, that the Policy Collaboratory is funded, uh, provides grants to uh, researchers and others uh, to try to apply solutions to problems that exist.
1: We'll have one final segment with our special guest, Senator Phil Berger, and we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages.
0: Hey dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from?
3: Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things
0: together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step. But you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing
2: called? Can I ride my bike backwards?
0: Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa.
3: Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the
0: Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our very special guest, Senator Bill Berger, who is now in his 12th year of leading the state senate as its president pro temp. And uh, before that, he was the minority leader for eight years. And then, of course, he, as I said earlier, he went into service in the state senate 22 years ago. So, amazing how fast that flies, I guess. I have a friend who said that life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it seems to go. <laughs> Oh Well, uh, we we have touched on a lot of things, but one of the things we haven't touched on, and uh, it is of interest to everyone because as North Carolina grows, especially the Crescent area running from Raleigh through uh, Greensboro and Salisbury and and all the way to Charlotte is transportation because as you get on the roads, there are more and more people out. Uh, Transportation, an ongoing concern. Where are we heading in transportation? Where's the money going to come from?
2: Yeah, so um, uh, a little um, broad outline as far as where North Carolina is uh, uh, in connection with transportation. Uh, North Carolina is a unique state uh, in terms of our um, highways, uh, because uh, in North Carolina, and this dates back to the uh, uh, to the Depression, um, North Carolina as a state, basically maintains all uh, of the uh, road system uh, in North Carolina that's outside of municipal boundaries. Uh, and of course, we, the state provides some funding to help uh, with the road system within municipal boundaries. Uh, because of that, uh, North Carolina actually has more road miles uh, under state maintenance than any state in the nation except maybe Texas and I think we go back and forth from time to time with uh, with Texas Um, the big um, uh, thing there uh, as far as um, taxpayers are concerned is that obviously we spend more money at the state level on transportation but we don't have county roads and so county taxpayers are not burdened with the direct responsibility of maintaining roads within a county and uh, what you can see is uh, if you go on a back road in North Carolina, uh, you're, you're going to find a much, much better road uh, than uh, if you go into any of our neighboring states. Uh, I, uh, I challenge anybody to go from uh, a rural road in North Carolina <clears throat> and then go into Virginia uh, and, or a rural road in North Carolina and then go, go into South Carolina. Uh, North Carolina has a much, much better road system. Now, uh, that creates some real challenges for us because most of our transportation budget is funded uh, by a combination of the gas tax uh, and what's called the highway use tax. Uh, The highway use tax is basically the sales tax that you pay uh, when you purchase an automobile or when you title an automobile. Uh, We also get some federal dollars, but uh, those are the main sources of revenue. And uh, the, uh, the gas tax is a declining uh, source. Um, we've seen uh, vehicles uh, more fuel efficient, uh, so people buy less gasoline. Uh, but we've also seen the advent of electric and hybrid vehicles uh, where gasoline is either uh, minimally used or not used at all. <clears throat> so one of the challenges that we've got is uh, trying to find a substitute uh for uh for the uh, for the gas tax and we've made some uh changes uh we've dedicated some of the statewide sales tax collections to transportation to uh to help address that uh but it's a uh, uh it's a challenge that has been there for a long time uh and uh is going to take uh, uh some time before we come up with uh with with a real solution there a
1: lot of states, and especially in the, in the more metropolitan areas, have turned to light rail or rail. Uh, that model doesn't seem to fit North Carolina very well, at least from my perspective. What are, what are your views on rail as a possible solution?
2: Um, I, I think some uh, uh, rail uh, might be uh, appropriate in some places. But, you know, Don, North Carolina is uh, the second most rural state in the nation. And uh, our population is just not concentrated to the levels uh, where rail uh, uh, would, uh, w- would, one, uh, help solve some of the problems, but uh, two, uh, is economically feasible. Uh, there uh, the, there uh, are some uh, opportunities. You know, Charlotte has, uh, has a, uh, a rail system, a commuter rail system within the city. Uh, that uh, seems to be working there. But uh, Charlotte is the exception as opposed to the rule uh, for North Carolina as a whole.
1: I should have probably talked about this earlier when we were talking about economic needs of the state, but our business recruitment has been excellent in North Carolina. And and uh, uh, a lot of the changes that you made in lowering the tax rates and uh, uh, in improving the situation with regulatory controls has aided and assisted in that. Uh, but North Carolina is a real choice of places uh, when uh, someone's looking to relocate or build a plant, employ people. North Carolina is high on the list these days, and that's uh, a real tribute to what the General Assembly's done.
2: I, I think the policies <clears throat> that we've pursued and adopted over the past decade uh, have uh, uh, changed the perception of North Carolina in the uh, eyes and in the minds of, uh, of uh, business recruiters, uh, of uh, uh, corporations, where we are now uh, really a, a destination. Uh, in, and we're on the list whenever there's a business that's talking about growing uh, or moving, uh, North Carolina is on the list. I mean, for, uh, for years, um, uh, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, I mean, they were eating our lunch in economic development, uh, and uh, you you could see it in, you know, sort of the big things that were happening, the BMWs uh, in South Carolina, the Boeings in South Carolina, uh, the Mercedes uh, in, uh, in, in Alabama. Uh, that's not the case anymore. We, we are not just on the list uh, of uh, these business recruiters and these co- corporations Uh, We are uh, the finalists and actually winning some of those things. uh, uh, Witness the the Toyota announcement, the Apple announcement, and dozens of others. Another area
1: that we haven't touched on is tourism. It's always been an important part of the economy, but seems to be getting even more important these days. Anything uh, that you would like to add to uh, the list of things that you're hoping to accomplish in the area of tourism?
2: <clears throat> so I, I think our transportation uh, infrastructure is critically important to uh, the viability of North Carolina as a tourist destination. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, uh, you, you saw uh, a lot of our tourism related businesses really suffer uh, through what was happening uh, with, uh, with the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, and uh, many of them are now starting to get back on their feet. Uh, North Carolina uh, offers a wealth of opportunities for folks who uh, want to visit, whether uh, it's in the mountains uh, or or on our coast or or in our Piedmont, uh, whether it's historical sites or uh, recreational opportunities, our rivers. Uh, uh, offer a great uh, variety for uh, for individuals uh, and so North Carolina really is uh, we do have kind of the best of all worlds uh, as far as uh, tourism is concerned and that's one of the reasons that so many people want to live here as well
1: well North Carolina is a very popular place right now and uh, of course you and I and thousands of, of actually millions of other North Carolinians look at it as the place to live and so, we're real proud of it. So, uh, you seem enthusiastic about your job and your work. Uh, what keeps you going? What, what, uh, what is the reason that you want to continue to serve the citizens of North
2: Carolina? You know, I tell folks that um, serving in the Senate, uh, being uh, involved in leadership in the Senate, uh, has provided me with uh, uh, more opportunity. Uh, I've enjoyed it more than anything else I've done professionally. Uh, I, I continue every day to see uh, things that uh, we could do better. Uh, and I feel like uh, I still and, and have uh, an, uh, an ability and um, uh, in the position that I hold uh, an opportunity to, uh, to see that uh, those things uh, can be accomplished. Uh, and um, I, have, uh, <laughs> I have three children that uh, live in the state of North Carolina. Uh, I have five grandchildren who all live in the state of North Carolina, and uh, I I believe in that old adage that uh, you want to leave something uh, better than you found it, Uh, and uh, that uh, helps motivate me, and uh, I feel that uh, we've uh, been able to to accomplish those kinds of things.
1: You know, I'm looking over my notes of things I wanted to talk to you about, and I uh, skipped over one that's very important and very much on people's minds these days, and that's the area of public safety and, of course, crime control. Uh, th- this is a topic right now that is of interest to everyone. So would you comment on that?
2: Yeah, we, we've we got to do uh, everything possible to support our law enforcement community, uh, and, and that means uh, that uh, uh, uh recognizing those folks have a very difficult job. Uh, it's a job that, uh, that, that people are called to. Uh, I, many of them don't do it for the salary because uh, many of them can make a lot more money doing something else. Uh, but uh, keeping uh, our communities safe uh, and making sure that we have safe communities uh, is one of the primary obligations uh, that uh, government has. It's one of the reasons that we have, uh, have government. Uh, so uh, so supporting our law enforcement making sure that they have the tools that they need uh, and that they uh, they have uh, the uh, the 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 opportunities to uh to to do what we need them to do is critically important and i think the legislature uh, whether you're a republican or a democrat uh, I, I believe that uh, the vast majority of folks in the legislature uh, are very supportive of that
1: and of course that carries over to school safety because we're Very concerned about our children being safe at school.
2: Absolutely. yes.
1: Well, there's so many other things that uh, we'd like to talk to you about, and we hope that you can uh, come back and be with us again. Uh, We didn't get to talk too much about uh, uh, energy because that's uh, another concern that uh, everyone has. And, of course, the the, uh, environment is on top of everyone's list. There's a lot of things on top of the list. So you've got about thirty seconds to tell me what's on the very top of your list as far as what you're going to be doing in the next two days.
2: Uh, the next two days, <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, I'm going to finish my Christmas shopping, uh, make sure that uh, I haven't uh, dropped the ball as far as that's concerned, and uh, uh, going to do the best that I can to help uh, help my wife Pat. Uh, get our house ready for uh, for the visitors that we're going to
1: have. Well, I think you've got your priorities absolutely right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Senator Phil Berger, President Pro Tem of the North Carolina Senate. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and either hear the entire broadcast, or if you missed a segment, you can listen to that. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another guest for us next week. Till next week,